So welcome to the Coaching Focus podcast. In this session, we'll be looking at the highs and lows of a career journey and what we as coaches can do to help our clients ensure that they can manage the ups and downs and develop the skills to bounce back quicker. Joining me today is Jane Ferrer. Jane's an outplacement coach supporting HR directors and senior leaders. And before setting up her coaching practice, she had 20 plus years in HR in senior roles such as HR business partner, head of leadership development and head of talent at British Airways before joining Leon Restaurants as their first head of training. So, Jane, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you here today as our guest. And just to uh, give the listeners an opportunity to understand the richness of your career and I guess where the context of our conversation is coming from, I wonder whether you just outline, you know, those 20 years and the, the ups and downs of your career. <laughs> well, thank you so much for inviting me on today, Trayton, and, and hello to everybody who's listening. Um, yeah, 20 years kind of goes really quickly. When when you say that, I, I start to feel like, oh, my God. <laughs> feel really old and so much has happened. I think, you know, from from your introduction, the majority of that time was spent within British Airways. But when you work in a very big organisation like that, it gives you the opportunity to move through lots of different departments because, Mm. you know, you can build up your own kind of personal brands. People are much more likely to take a chance on you if they can kind of see something there that they can work with. So I think, you know, working in a big organization is is great for that. Um, I actually started there in revenue management in the cargo division, which I didn't even know British Airways had a cargo division. Right. Um, but what that taught me was all about aeroplanes because I was literally playing Tetris with cargo <laughs> and it was actually we were we were on this uh, changing buildings they were building this state-of-the-art uh, facility and I you know we were doing one of those like everybody has a tour around the building I was on my tour and I was chatting with the trainers and they said you know you'd make a great uh, trainer and I was like wow. oh thanks you know and they're like we've got a vacancy and it closes tomorrow so I went home that day and filled out my CV and long story short that was my way my first job in HR and I've just moved through from learning to managing teams to running secondments and the 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 really my kind of big break was moving into an HR business partner role so we had a we had a new HR director who implemented the the Ulrich model of HR business partners, yeah. HR experts, shared services. And the HR business partner role really appealed to me because you're really working, not doing stuff which I'm no good at, actually. I'm no good at the, the tissues and sympathy and the um, <laughs> writing secondment letters and things like that. I'm no good at that stuff. I'm I'm much more, I'm much better placed with the strategic stuff thinking about where where are we taking the business and how do we help our people to get there that's my passion really and i i found that in that job i was actually you know it's part of the job description actually you're a confidant to the senior leader you're the sure. safe space that they can discuss what's going on for them in their business and their team members and how everyone's getting on and i found that i was kind of coaching but without the badge necessarily and and in BA we then moved into an internal coaching model and that's when I I thought actually here's an opportunity for me to get that badge and to coach officially because I thought I'm sort of doing this by feel by luck by judgment and actually getting the accreditation and that 
uh, and that certification just really gave me, I think, the validation I sort of needed really to to move that forward. And you know, as the airline industry sort of moved from one crisis to another, it's interesting the topic today. You know, the ups and downs of a career. Sure. Yeah. You know, you think about the airline industry. You know, particularly you know over the last you know more than twenty years, it, it's yeah. been a been a series of uh, more downs than ups actually I have to say <laughs> uh, but it's re- it's 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 sort of navigating through that and I think coaching has really helped me at every single step of the way and, and I think it's interesting point you say so I, the first point I take from what you said is that being in the right place or in your organization gets you noticed and you can network and find those opportunities you know one day to apply and, and you've got the role so that's a good yeah. positive with, with that I guess the other thing that within a journey is there are elements that are will impact your journey which are completely outside of your control. Sure. You know, the sector issues of what I call the PESL, political, economic, social, uh, legal, technical and environmental. And, and I've got to realise as, I guess, as coaches, just helping people through that transition where people are being impacted by the wider system. And, and that's something that we can't control. Yeah, it's it's interesting and, and strange. I, I wrote a post about this just on LinkedIn today, and I talked about the change almost happens to us. So the change, so so the you know, if you think about, I, I use the airline industry again uh, as an example. You know, when it was you know nine eleven, even you know way back then, you know we can't change what happened that day, but actually it's in terms of the impact of that on the business. You know, we can then decide how we respond to certain changes both for things that impact ourselves and our teams and and the wider business so I think helping that's certainly something that coaching has helped me with is to figure out what are those things that there's no point in getting mad at the things that we can't change it's about how do you how do you respond to that change to control those things yourself yeah Mm -hmm. so if if we might Jane thank you for outlining that And, and just for background for our listeners I know in your bio and pre-talk before that you, you've been made redundant twice. So you've got experience of that, uh, those very lows. Yeah. But I'm sure, and, and, you know, as we go through this, there's a lot of highs that you've also had, you know, with BA, BA and then obviously with Leon restaurants. Yeah. So when you work with clients, I guess you can empathise, you can come from that perspective. Would you mind sharing with our listeners the sort of ups and downs of the normal journey that you'll see with those senior leaders with their careers? Bring that alive for me. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's almost like I think a redundancy is an interesting place to start because it's it's a rejection, actually. You know, mm. <laughs> that's certainly how I felt. You know, if I if I put kind of how I felt, it was you know, I'm not wanted anymore. And it's it's very much like being in a marriage. I, I describe, you know, being in a job, in a role, and then looking for other jobs as, as like that you're back on the dating scene. It's like you've been sure. rejected by your partner, the person that you thought was you was you were going to be with Built for a relationship for a long, long with and that trust and yeah. psychological tr- safety. Yeah. All of that disappears and you're thinking, well, I, you know, you said if I did this, this would happen. And I did all of that and it and and look where I am now. And and I think that's, again, where sometimes you have to think about, you know, working in HR, which is, you know, where I was working for a long time. A lot of what I was doing as HR was restructures, reorganisations that resulted in a lot of people leaving the business through redundancy. Mm. And I almost knew at the back of my mind that. At some point, this is going to happen to me. <laughs> I almost have to be naive, naive not to realise that. And one thing that somebody said to me 
you know, so I'm talking 15 years ago, was you have to build your network when you don't need it so that it's in place when you do. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. You have to build your network when you don't need it so that it's in place when you do. And I think this is something that people almost need to bear in mind when they're going through those highs. They almost forget about those points that you need to be helping everybody else and you need to be building your network and you need to be, I think Stephen Covey would describe it as you need to be making deposits in your emotional bank account. So when you're in that position where you are able to help people, then you need to be doing that because when it all comes crashing down and even if you're prepared for it, it will be a surprise. That is when you need your network and that's when you can start making withdrawals. And I think if we sort of talk about highs and lows, the redundance, a redundancy, I had two in a year. <laughs> One was kind of voluntary. The other one came completely out of the blue. Even if you're expecting them, it's still a shock when it actually happens. It's almost like that's the worst it's going to be. Yeah. And I guess what I'm what I'm picking up here is is the word rejection. And Mm. and that's not a great place to be, even if you're aware of it or whether it is a shock, it still lingers. And and can I ask a personal question? Please don't answer. But and I guess I ask this because of the interest of working with clients who may be going through some form of rejection, not just, you know, being made redundant or maybe not getting a promotion or something. What's your experience of how long that lasts for? And do you ever get rid of it or do you still carry it? I think it depends on, it's that how you respond to it, I think. It's really that how you respond. And this is where I think it's that difference between change, the thing that happens to us, and transition, which is moving through to um to the next stage and i know that there's a great model by bridges called the transition model and and he you know you you can kind of move through the stages and you will go through all of those stages but if you Mm. can build your support network around you you will get through those quicker and i think this is when you can kind of start to you know cash in those deposits that you've made and just i think for me again it's it's just knowing that it's not personal actually it's business Mm. it's business and it's outside of your control that something like the the airline sector you're talking about and like most sectors things change and covid being a classic example right yeah i mean who knew that who could see that one coming (laughs) and and, and (laughs) everything that that has sort of sort of brought to us but i i also think about you know the things that i used to hear from people who's who i have, have conversations with was that as much as it's a shock it very often is the thing that is the catalyst to change you know it's almost that thing of you know i knew you know when i was at ba i'd been there for you know just under 20 years and i thought i'm at that age where if i stay i'm going to be that really negative, irritable, I was going to say a different (laughs) word there, we might get taken off the air, 50 something year old in the corner who's going to be like, yeah, we've seen this all before, I've seen this, it's never worked that time. And I was like, I could see myself starting to become that person. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. So it's actually time for me to go with dignity. And I talk about that quite a lot, actually, it's about go with your head held high. And the role of leaders who are managing their team through transition is to create dignity. So not all your team, if you if you're you know running a redundancy that impacts all of your team, not all of your team will want the same thing from you in terms of support. Yeah. So different people will need different things from you. And then you have to think as well about what about the survivors, the people who are left? 
because they will have survivor's guilt. Or some of them, if there's a nice package on the table, might be thinking, why wasn't it me <laughs> who walked out with a, you know, a big check in my pocket? So I think that's an interesting thing for leaders to think about. So what, what, what you've done for me nicely here is start to unpick some of, I guess, the challenges, but also some of the tools that you use. So just for our listeners, William Bridges, a great tool, which talks about endings, transitions, new beginnings. And you, you talked about those new beginnings where opportunities might start to develop. You talked about endings and leaving an organisation or a team with your head held high, that dignity, which is important. Yeah. So how are you going to close that on a on a positive and then yeah. moving forward into that sort of new beginnings and those opportunities that other organisations or other roles might provide to you? So give me a flavour of how you coach some of those challenges and those emotions that that appear as, across those sort of three phases, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I think sometimes this can be me as an outplacement provider. Sometimes it can be the line manager. It really depends on the skill of the line manager. Okay. And also what the individual wants and needs, because sometimes people want a third party to talk to because they actually just want to vent about how pissed off they are about why it's them. And that's okay. You know, it's like they might have that relationship with their line manager where they can have those conversations. But actually, it's almost in terms of their personal brand. It's better that they don't because that's the that's the image that someone is left with. So, you know, bringing in someone like myself just helps people to sort of diffuse some of that anger, that sadness, back to that rejection and actually help them to think about you know, what could they do moving forward? And, you know, a lot of time people behave that way because they're scared. You know, they're really frightened, especially, um, you know, British Airways was an organisation that had very long tenure. People were quite insular in terms of, you know, their approach to to the job seeking. It it was very much within BA. And they were scared about the outside world. So it's just really getting people to almost go back to some of those basics of actually what have they got to bring to the world? So once you've kind of got over the, you know, the anger and the venting, and I I always think people are a little bit like a balloon. It's like you've got to let the air out. You know, there's no point in starting trying to coach someone when they're just so angry about what has happened and just going start to think about you know well, what's really important to you because this is an opportunity now so if you start to turn this around to go this is an opportunity you know and most people would you know are at that point where they're going oh yeah it's probably, it's probably time for me to go anyway or you know new manager that. yeah that that moving yeah. is that acceptance for, through that kind of change curve it's like well you know we had a new ceo and he, you know he was starting to unpick everything and it's like, yeah I, I was going to get found out sooner or later is what, <laughs> what a lot of people actually say but i work with people just to go back and figure out actually what's really important to you in terms of your own personal values and if if you could almost design an ideal job, what would that look like? What type of organisation? What type of business? Do you, do you want to be in a big global FTSE 100 company, or do you want to be in a a small startup? And that's the that's the change that I made. The things that used to kind of drive me crazy about BA was the speed or lack of the risk aversion. Which on one side is like, as a customer, I, I want risk aversion, but working on the inside it used to drive me crazy and that's one of the reasons that drove me to leon because it was a kind of startup 
just past the startup, I'd say. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And they wanted someone like me to help them with processes and things like that. So it's really just thinking about helping people to see what they can bring to a new role, to a new organization, how they can sell themselves in the marketplace and just going through some of that process with them. And, and I think you made, you made it twice now. It's a really important point, um, which is everybody's an individual and everybody goes through this process and needs to go through this process in the way that they want to go through it. Yeah. And as part of the coaching role, it's about noticing that, understanding that, empathising with their particular context. But also, I guess, from what you're saying, you, you talked about values and I guess their strengths values about what they want and where they want to head it and their strengths that they can leverage and helping them be confident and realize that they have got some great skills and talents that they can use elsewhere to help them through that transition. Yeah. So so I work with a lot of HR people now, ironically. <laughs> it's a bit of a full circle moment. And HR people are great, but what they're not that great at is translating what they do into business outcomes. So they talk, you know, they can give you war and peace on, you know, this initiative they rolled out. And the question I asked, I, I get them to really focus on is the so what? So what does that mean? So what did yeah, that what do? What was the value the it added to the business? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. great. You know, you rolled out a, a talent program, right? So what? <laughs> you know, yeah. so what does that mean? You know, so you, you know, you implemented a DNI strategy. Okay, so what does that mean? What did that bring? How did that change? How did it make the boat go faster? You know, to quote that book, and and getting people to really think about that just helps them also to just pivot ever so slightly because the more work they do on those sort of career stories the picture becomes about actually what they like doing and what they're good at so there's almost this sweet spot in between mm. of well you know I, I can give an example of a project that I worked on which I delivered and I delivered brilliantly but I hated every minute of being on that project you know and it's like no I don't want to do that kind of work again so just sure. going through that process really helps people to think about actually where where would I flourish moving forward? Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is that it's about helping them to unpick the story that they've had. Yeah. And consolidating where they are with their story and where they want their story in the next chapter, if I may use that word, yeah. to move forward for their career in their career journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Nice. Absolutely. OK, great. Jane, I'm conscious that we've focused on redundancy and when sure. things aren't going great and feeling rejected, all those <laughs> negatives that are very human and, and, you know, and those are things that we do feel. But what I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, is when you're working with top talent and there's an up in their career where they've yeah. been identified as promotion. So how does the coaching that you do shift with that more sort of less rejected, I guess, um, yeah. mindset and attitude? So I, it's interesting because I have been the top talent and also been managing the top talent as well in an organisation. And organisations need to get this message right. And so often they get the messaging wrong. And it's I think it, what people miss is the so you, you mentioned it, it's like almost like that psychological contract. So if you're saying like, actually, now you are in this, you know, the top 10% or whatever that is in your business. What does that mean in terms of what the organisation is going to give me in terms of support? And actually, what's some, the expectation from the organisation of me as someone who's top talent? And, yeah. and what yeah. what does that mean? And I think organisations get that a little bit wrong. But I think again, it's really thinking about like, where is that person? So actually thinking about, well, why are they talent? 
in terms of and again this is almost like the organization needs to do a lot of work before they even get to that stage to go what does talent mean in this organization you know are you talent and you forever keep that badge or do you step in and out of the talent pool and how do we manage that as well and um, because it's it's that message is such a great message and line managers like giving it but it's like okay so what and i think for me it's the word that i always think about is the scaffolding around that individual so if you think about if you're going to build a you know a new building the first thing that goes up is the scaffolding right if, you know you might have support. some foundations hmm. first but, yeah, but what's the support that you're going to put yeah. around that individual so yeah. it, and again it's about what would the individual best respond to so is it a coach and i would say you know as a as a talent team to put in a portfolio of options for the individual so is it coaching is it mentoring is it sponsorship within the organization and then thinking about some external support as well so would is it then to go to i don't know to henley or ashridge or harvard and do some sort of uh, mba or something like that or is it actually managed assignments or stretch projects around the organization but it's almost like where's the individual right now where's the organization mm -hmm. and where do we need them to be and that's a lot of the work that doesn't necessarily get done and why a lot of talent programs don't necessarily hit the mark. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of our HR listeners will be saying we get talent wrong. So what you're saying is they don't put the <laughs> scaffolding in place. Is that is that the right thing to do and understand what's relevant for that individual for where they are at that point rather than a one size fits all? Is that, is that what you're saying, Jen? I think so. I had this exact conversation with somebody the other day and the words that they use were um democratize talent and i said actually i think that's the wrong word for talent i said you democratize development for everybody in your business but in terms of talent it's very very different and it's not about somebody get, it can be, be perceived as somebody's being treated in a different way than someone else and it's like that's absolutely right in my yeah. opinion because different people need different things everybody's starting from a different place and actually as an organization or as a talent professional, as a talent team, you should be thinking that everybody in that high potential pool has got a different path that they need to follow. So one size doesn't fit all for everybody. I think there are some activities that they can do together. And as a, if you want to build some cohesion with that pool of talent, so a bit, a bit like graduates, you know, when you've been graduates sure. into an organization, they've got a great, you know, they're all, they're all, 20 something just out of uni first job living away from home they all go out drinking and bond in a different way than you know somebody who's a little mid -30s, bit 30s 40s 50s yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it but it is that kind of as a group how do you create that cohesion and support you know mm. within themselves because it can't be the that's that's almost like a sign of are you talent or not it's like the talent should almost create their own support network for what they need yeah, and I guess that talent will be competitive to try and build that uh, connectivity and collaborative approach as a community. I think there's a word you used. Yeah, it's quite tricky. I think so. I mean, it, I think there's almost like a level of competitiveness because it could be that, you know, you've got a couple of people who are on a similar trajectory, but it's not about I win, you lose. It's about the right thing for me right now is option A, and the right thing for you right now is option B. 
So mm -hmm. it might come to the point where there's a, there's a little bit of competition and maybe some healthy competition. But if you know if the if the talent team are doing a great job, they should be managing those roots, which is why it's not democratized the ta the sure. talent management. I do like the term democratized development. We use the term democratized yeah. coaching and okay. coaching plays a part in yeah. development. So you democratize yeah. it. Yeah, um, but you're right. But not doc democratizing talent because everybody needs that there's a big question here isn't there jane which my listeners i'm sure are saying ask that question train <laughs> so we're using the word talent a lot so from your perspective and from your sort of experience what is talent i think it's those people who are going to move upwards in your organization quickly into bigger jobs with more responsibility and and you know when you look at all the data it's the data that says those are the people that you're going to get the highest return on in terms right. of investment so yeah you should be putting more into them and, and I believe in the idea that everybody is talent everybody has a talent a yeah. skill there's a reason everybody is in your business I think maybe it's just the words that are not quite the right word so it's like everybody that's in your business is there for a reason you've selected them to come into your business and if they're no longer the right people then they shouldn't be there and you manage that with dignity <laughs> this is back to our other point but everybody brings something to the party your people who and maybe it's high potential is the word they bring yeah. something that's just a little bit different um, and i can't remember it off the top of my head but cipd have got a great definition of talent which is the one that i generally put on the table when I work with people yeah and I guess because I'm set here as a coach thinking my view and, and my mindset is everybody's talented and my role yes. is to bring that talent out unlock that potential so everybody working in an organization has some form of talent mm. I guess what we're talking about to be clear is top talent or those high potentials that percentage yeah. that gonna as you say accelerate through the organization quickly because they're going to add the most value whatever we call value is to yeah. the organization therefore they get the most investment and therefore yeah. the organization gets the best return on that investment but i will look up the cipd quote and if we can we'll put yeah. it into the, the notes and the, the, the show notes yeah. yeah exactly yeah. yeah good i think it's that conversation as well so the talent is not just here's the the badge it's that it's back to that conversation with are you it's almost like are you up for it sure because it means more it means that you that we're going to we're going to give you more than we're giving the average yeah. employee we also expect more so are you up for it right now and yeah. those conversations don't always happen and I think there's also a fear if people say I'm up for it but not right now could be for a, you know a number of reasons you know it could be oh, I'm just about to move house or you know parents passed the, I've had conversation and you know, my parents passed away I'm actually I've just found out I'm pregnant I don't it, it there's been a whole heap of things which is I am up for it but not right now yeah that's great but people shouldn't feel that if I say no right now that door is closed forever and again mm. that's something for the organization to really think about well, I think that's a really good point and there must be individuals you know women who go who are pregnant thinking is this going to put me back nine 18 months whatever that might be and am i mm. going to miss out on that next stage so i think that's a really good challenge and you're right organizations and i'm sure many do need, need to consider about that I, I want to come back also to a point you raised about you know we're talking about top talent but if i realize that i'm not in that top 10 percent but mm. i still want a good career do you work with those individuals that are sort of in that you've not really been picked up yet uh, yeah. And if so, what, what, what's 
what are the conversations like within the coaching sphere? It's interesting. Those people usually come to me themselves rather than through their organisation. And I, I think there's almost this kind of forgotten middle. You know, it's, mm. it's it's almost like you've got your, your top people at the top that you're having lots of conversations about. You've got the poorer performers who you're having lots of conversations about. And there's the people who in the middle who are steadily delivering for you who've yeah. got a bit more gas in the tank, let's say, mm, but are not, mm. you know, maybe they don't want to go at the, the speed, the velocity as high potential talent, but they've, they've got more to give. So I think there's there's a lot of them come to me because they're at that point where it's like they feel forgotten and they feel a little bit neglected. So it's a similar conversation as the as a redundancy conversation, actually, which is about well, what, what you know, what is it next? And sometimes sure. the, you know, the outcome to sort of fast forward to the outcome is that they will have the courage to have that conversation with their line manager, but maybe not just their line manager, but also back again to their network. You know, so actually, certainly internally, the question is, what are you doing internally to build your personal brand? You know, mm. some people kind of mm. balk at that and go, oh, I'm not a marketer, but it's it's not about that, but it's about who knows you in the organization. So when there's conversations about, you know, there's this project or we're launching, um, you know, in the airline, it would be, you know, we're, we're gonna start, we're gonna launch a new route to, you know, somewhere fabulous that's now on the, on the tourist trail. Sure. It's like, who's involved in that project? You know, this is a great opportunity because it's something that's kind of a repeatable thing that we do over and over again. And actually, let's, you know, test some people out in this environment. So the, my challenge, the people who are in the sort of middle who want to do more is, do people know what you want to do? You know, because sometimes you have to go and figure that out first, which sure. is yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah. my conversation. And mm. then it's about who knows you? Have you got a sponsor in the business? So it's not necessarily about you know the talent team finding a sponsor for you, but you going out and thinking about who who can bring my name up when they're having conversations about the new project or the new opportunity, whatever. Who's the person who's going to put my name on the table? Because that's how it happens. Let's get real. <laughs> that is how it happens. And, and, and I, I couldn't agree more, Jane. And and you mentioned you know the network, the value of networking, yeah. a number of times in this. And yeah. our listeners hopefully will take take that away. And from my experience, when I'm working with senior individuals who have been successful, but they've got to a sort of a a plateau, it's about them understanding how to manage their stakeholders better, how to build, as you say, build the brand. Uh, yeah. get that name out in that next level because it's an ongoing thing even if you're a graduate through to chief exec yeah. you're still networking when you get more senior it's not just internal it's externally as well so there's yeah. well, there's all those areas to think yeah. about and that's a really and it's good you, point you know you need to be clear if you want people to talk about you on your behalf then you need to yeah. be clear about what they're saying and um, when they should or shouldn't put you forward for things yeah. so you know it's about you know you you know you might have to ask for an introduction to somebody you know and and again who can introduce you to somebody could you is that something your line manager could do could your line manager be your sponsor and and again this is where great career conversations come in you know which is again everybody's talent it's just like what's your next step you know you need to do some of the work yourself in this so in terms of me working with individuals they're usually coming to me because they're frustrated where they are so it, it's you know, sometimes they end up going back into their business. Um, and, and then other things have happened. So I, I worked with one lady and she 
was in that position. She was in HR, actually. And then suddenly the business acquired another business. So she, she'd she already started to put these feelers out there. So she was the natural first choice to go and manage that integration. That was all she needed to remain engaged within the business. It wasn't about making some huge change. That was all she needed. But she she figured that out herself first. Yeah. And then presented that to the line manager. And then it's all, you know, whether you believe in planets aligning and the you know, manifestation, or whatever. But, you know, something happened with her that put her in the right place at the right time, generally engineered. So I think the key point here for our listeners is networking and connecting. And I guess it goes back to that old adage, you know, it's not just what you know, it's who you know as well. And I would certainly, from my experience with those that are at that high potential and they have accelerated the careers, they don't just look for that network internally it's externally as well and even connect with a mentor because that mentor will have connections as well which can help leverage and accelerate and bounce bounce back quicker so that that's great i'd also just say for our listeners um i don't know if you read the article yourself jane there's a great article by harvard business review which talks about it's not just about the a players it also helps to understand how to leverage what they call b players so that group in the middle it's a great article again we'll put it in the show notes um so people can reference that. But that's a great article to talk about the another term that's used. And don't like it, but the pig in the middle, you know, the bit that's in the middle yeah. of those individuals there. It's like so. your middle child. They get forgotten. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and I'm a middle child. So I can oh, are you? OK, so you can relate to it. That explains everything. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, time's getting the better of us. It's been a fascinating conversation. And and thank you, Jane. I have a final question, which I ask all my guests. And our purpose at Coaching Focus is coaching for a better tomorrow. So I'd love to, from your perspective, what does coaching for a better tomorrow mean in your world, Jane? I think for me, there's almost two parts to that. It's about the, the individual themselves. So what does tomorrow mean for me or for my clients? And then there's, there's almost like a bigger kind of more worldly view on that so actually if I'm a better person then that creates a better organization better home that just sort of casts waves better community and and ultimately a better world yeah perfect and the work we do or you and I do is about helping people to be better and obviously your focus is about helping people be better and bounce back and bounce faster along their career journey so it's been a fascinating conversation Jane, thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure our listeners have got a lot out of it. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. You're welcome.